I am The Animist, and you are watching the Video & Company Podcast, a podcast where we talk about running a video production business. If you have worked in the Charlotte area for any amount of time in the film industry, you have come across Hudson Howard. He is a camera operator, DP, and owner of Unify. He's full of information and perspective on the business side of filmmaking, as well as doing higher-end commercial work and working with agencies. So let's get on with the show. Here is Hudson Howard. When, when I'm like having coffee with people or running into people and we're just talking about like projects going on, like your name pops up. People talking know? trash? No, talking great. Between <laughs> you and Chris, and Chris is coming on next, so it'll just Sick, only work dude. out. That's awesome, man. But, I mean, people like, people love your stuff. That makes me feel good, dude. That's always interesting because, you know, I think like, I think you say the same, like, because you put out work that I'm like, oh, this looks killer. You know what I'm saying? And like, Jake puts out work that I'm like, oh, this looks killer. And like, Bradford, like whoever, you know, like I think all sorts of people are putting out amazing work and you're like, dang, like I don't see a scenario the same way these other people see scenarios. And I think I'm like starting to get so stoked on that. Like I'm starting to get so amped and understand why like <clears throat> directors who might be incredible DPs hire other DPs. Cause they're just like, I've, I've, I've learned to like, the way that I like to approach projects is with you know you want to plan it obviously but i want there to be at least 10 percent of it that i just don't really know what's going to happen mm -hmm. because the most incredible projects i've ever had have involved that 10 percent of just straight up discovery yeah. of just things that just happen that fall into place that work and then you get to sit back and and you you have no choice but to approach that with humility because you didn't do it yeah it just happened or it might have been from someone else's hand, or, or just the happenstance of how something worked out. I, I know I've brought up Jake a couple times, but we, we talked about how sometimes, like, when you just go to shoot something, everything works out. Like, the separation of, the, of like, the, the location is great, and, like, you already have, like, a key and a natural bounce, and there's, like, color contrast in the back and, like, whatever. And you're like, wow, I didn't do anything, and yeah. this is the best thing I've ever shot. Yeah. Or then, I, I think it's, it's, it's amazing when you can be, like, when you can be like, wow, this looks better than what it should have looked like. Yeah. Because I find a lot of freedom in that and a lot of stoke in that because it had very little to do with me. <laughs> I just got to, you just got to discover it. Yeah. You know? Like there's, there's been two projects, and it's weird because it always happened with the same client. About like three or four years ago, I had two shoots and I don't know what I did. I mean, I know what I did, but like I never done it before and everything just looked phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And then everything after that for about another year just looked like terrible. I'm like, what did I do? How did I do that? <laughs> like, do I deserve this? Why am I so inconsistent at whatever? Do you, do you find that like when you're when you're like setting up a uh, or like you're setting up a shoot, are you are you like more stoked on it when you're shooting it, or are you like more stoked like when you're editing it? Like, are you like, oh, this looks great, and then uh, you realize it doesn't, or you don't think it looks great and then you realize it does? Well, it's weird because I had the same conversation with Alex. Pretty much is. Like in pre-pro, um, I've, I've been over-indexing pre-pro, which I'm mm -hmm. fine with. Like pre-pro is 50% of my work now. Oh, wow. So that cool. like when I do Good end up you. shooting, it just kind of all happens. It just falls in like dominoes. And yeah. then when I get to the edit, it's me reassuring that like the pre-pro worked out because like I'm not really doing anything different. I'm starting mm -hmm. to get a little bored with like my lighting plans because it's like color contrast, uh, bright sh shadow, bright shadow, framing's about the same you know 24 to 35 and i'm just like your stuff's looking the same dude yeah but you know when i get in the edit if i'm still liking it i'm like all right it's good 
but then about two weeks later, I'll have shot something else that was slightly better, and now I hate everything. <laughs> so, but I tell my clients, I'm like, I hate everything. My goal is to like, the next thing I do should be the best thing I've ever done. Most of the time that's the case, which means everything before that sucks. In my book. <laughs> sure, sure. I, I don't, I would challenge you on that a little bit. Yeah. Because you know like the best thing you've ever done, it's like sometimes you, you don't have the opportunity to. Like you can have a cool location, you can have a cool thing, but you know it's like if you're shooting a corporate like green screen thing, like is that going to be the best thing you've ever shot? Some, sometimes, sometimes it hit different, you know? <laughs> like. Sometimes a green screen just takes you there, bro. Makes you realize why you started like if, filmmaking. If, if for some reason, like the fall off on the skin just like looks like almost like unrealistic. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that is that totally cool. Thing. You know what's wild is like how little clients care. They just don't. Well, they they just don't like they don't care about the things that we care about. Like when I look at like a, a film or like you're watching like exposure or skin tone or like whatever, you're just like like no one cares. Well, <laughs> it's so cool. A lot of my clients are females, and uh -huh. they, so they do love the skin thing. Mm -hmm. And one actually told me a funny story is I subbed a, a guy out because I can't remember if I was busy or if I was just swamped or whatever, but I subbed a friend out for the, the shoot. And um, she, when she got it back, it didn't look the same. And I gave him the, like, the light plans, and they used the same location. I even like lent, lent him some of my stuff. And um, she's like, it didn't come out the same way. And... He said to her, like, oh, Ethan's just, like, really good to, like, light and color. And she had never thought about it that way. And ever mm -hmm. since she, he said it to her, now she knows, like, that's the that's why, you know, I like Ethan because he's Ethan. But I like his look because, like, he just, like, all you know, he cares about is the skin. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, yeah, that's kind of the thing. Like, you ever, uh, you ever had to, like, you ever had someone who you worked for and then you, like, didn't work out for an next project for whatever reason. They go to someone else and they come back and they're like, yo, like, that sucked. Like, can we work together again? Yeah, yeah. It always we, feels pretty good. Well, to be honest, sometimes I, I get a little weird about it, but, like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I, because it, it's twofold. Sometimes I'm just, like, absolutely, like, if it's a money thing or if it's a time thing, like, absolutely do your thing. Mm -hmm. But then, like, I'll go home and I'll be, like, I'll just, it'll just like feel different. Like, I'm oh, glad really? that they did it, but like, yeah. for some reason, it's like, it's a, it's a bad trait and I don't feed it. So, like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Sure. I've, I've, I, like, I love, like, I love music, you know what I'm saying? Like, music is what got me into filmmaking. And if I didn't, I'm really picky when it comes to marketing and that, like, I hate bad marketing. Mm -hmm. It's not even that I love good marketing, I do. I just think there's so many great ideas that have just got botched because of terrible marketing plans. Yeah. And I think when there's, a lot of times with like artists, you know, like musicians, it's people who are, you know, either students, like, or they've got day jobs or whatever that are generally not paying terribly well and that most of these artists can't afford to spend two to five grand on a music video yeah. every, every time they have a single that they make. Most of these, some of those talented musicians I know are shelling out music so quickly but like, you know, they have zero money. And so they need more content than, than not. And some of these people, some of these artists I've, I've spoken to, like, yo, you like stop investing so much like money into one video, yeah. like stop. It's not good for your branding. It's not good for your marketing. There's like, no, you know, like they just want something to like nail, which I get that. Mm -hmm. But I'm working with one artist right now, it goes by Jamil, 
and and Jamil is like, like we we had a conversation where it's like yo dude instead of like pricing you like at like one video how can we like scale back the concept like a lot on these videos mm. plan them make the shoots instead of making the shoots like last like days you know like let's just do you know each shoot will last like a handful of hours and like we we just plan it easily we know what we're doing so you get like four or five videos for the price of like one general market priced one yeah and so when when we when we approach it that way you know it makes sense for the artist and i mean we all have things that we're gonna skimp the price for which i think is like great like like what you were saying earlier you know your your main clientele might be like corporate animation you know what I'm saying but your favorite stuff to shoot and your favorite stuff to work on is probably not corporate animation yeah you know so you're gonna you're gonna work on your price for whatever i mean i work on my price for whatever like i've got vastly different quotes like that i give oh, different yeah. people and i'm experimenting constantly mm -hmm. you know yeah i've got a buddy of mine he's a he's a welder and he told me that he was working these this like one like lower tier price bracket basically for for his welding it was like i think he was saying he was charging like four thousand to like five six thousand dollars for like these different like welding jobs he was talking to a friend of his and he's like yo like some of these just aren't consistent or like the people i'm working with are just like kind of rough to work with and that they're like really pushing for everything they can get out of me and the dude was like raise your rates by like 50 percent mm -hmm. and then raise your rates every time you get hired yep. and i was like what and he, he told me he was like yeah wild right but he's like but the thing is these people who are paying four thousand dollars for this welding bit that is like real real money to them four thousand dollars four thousand yeah. dollars i don't have a tesla not yeah. yet <laughs> but four thousand dollars is four thousand dollars and he says once you start pricing people at like 10 or 12 if someone's considering purchasing a welding job for twelve thousand dollars that's not real money to them mm -hmm. generally speaking you're in a very different bracket and so of these people that think about money differently and dude he started to just rake in and he said because also like let's say you outprice someone's quote and someone someone says hey our, our budget is three thousand or four thousand dollars let's say for video someone says hey we have fifteen hundred dollars to shoot for two days and like it's super ambitious and like whatever and you're like yo i like straight up can't do this and like if you're just gonna not do it tell them it costs eight Tell yeah. them it costs 12, tell them it costs 20, I don't care. Yeah. What's gonna happen is, is when they end up talking to a different set of friends that they have, like your name is going to be put into a different tier of suggestion. Mm -hmm. Your name is going to then be put to like a different tier of their friends that they talk to about. Cause they, you know, they might have someone who has like a cookie company startup that they know that that cookie company won't be able to afford a $15,000 shoot. Mm -hmm. But then they might have somebody who's like, yo, I'm starting like a co-working space and like, you know, we've got angel investors and like whatever. It's like, they might be like, oh, I know a guy who will work for you. Yeah. Because no matter how smart we think we are and no matter how like immune to generalization we think we are, like if someone is more expensive, you find a different perceived value. Yep. No matter what. I've been looking at work in these like three terms recently, which is, um, your time, your energy, which is like your energy input and your output, and then your resources. Um, resources generally means money. Um, but I, you know, I'll think about jobs and work and, and things that I do outside of that. Like energy input right now, to me, is the most important thing. Like if I don't have a, a useful energy input and I'm only giving energy output and whatever it might be, my relationships, the work that I'm doing, whatever. Like if it's a job that sucks, like, you know, you just compare between these three things because it might be getting you a ton of resources, it might mm -hmm. be paying you a lot, massive energy input, and like a ton of time. But 
that's why you know a lot of people who either run their own companies or are working freelance or what have you it's like if you're rolling freelance and you might work you know four or five days a month and that might pay all your bills and like get you to put something in savings and like whatever you you know you have a ton of time and maybe having that time and that freedom to work on other things is the thing that's super important to you mm. you know and and I think that we're very lucky I feel very lucky and that what I get to do I have generally a solid amount of time to be able to work on other things when I want to when I need to I get energy input from the projects that I'm doing sometimes but almost always with the people I'm working with they all give me energy dude like I get to hang out with you like when I go like work with Jake like Jake's like my homie you know what I'm saying my business partner is my homie Landis is my homie like like these are all like my my bros that I want to hang out with regardless so they give me massive input and they, they they speak into me as a creative and as a person and my energy output sure you get tired working on stuff but it's all worth it and then resource you you know you can get adequately paid when you want like you can get adequately paid when you when you are able to so I like I think that as filmmakers and as anyone who does something they love to do like I get to check those three boxes solid time solid energy input and output ratio and like really solid resources as well whereas like dude the majority of people i know don't even check one yeah they have so much energy output in a job that's taking all their time away and they're getting paid way too little for it yeah like and i've learned that i was thinking a few days ago like with like creative blocks you know and i want to hear how you deal with those but like i've learned that my strategy for dealing with creative blocks is talking to my friends who are outside of film about their dreams and like what they want to end up doing mm -hmm. because they're like well I want to be doing this and like this is my thought process for it and like what I'm passionate about what I love to do and like if I could do this or if I can get this much money to like start it or like whatever it is like because it puts so many things into perspective for me like how other people want to work how other people are dreaming of doing stuff and most of the time people just want those three things time energy and resources yeah it's huge for me. I love that philosophy. Yeah, dude, it, 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 it helps me it helps me say no to a lot of jobs too. Yeah. Not a lot of jobs, I'm not like turning down work left and right, but like there are jobs that I wanna work on that just don't have a budget at all, yeah. you know? Or there are jobs that I don't wanna work on that do have a budget, but it'll be too much time. So it works for me, you know? But how do you deal with, how do you deal with creative blocks? Cause that's something I think is like an interesting, interesting uh, conceptualization for a lot of different filmmakers. Um. I don't know. I like. I think some people think that I'm. I don't. I don't know if people see what I'm. What I'm making and, and think like it's all me. I've always considered myself like a sample artist. You mm -hmm. know, like um, like '90s boom bap. How it's just like, you found a sample off a of vinyl and then you just like threw like a beat on it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. When I used to make beats, that's when I made my best beats. So I kind of felt like that was my thing. Like if you just gave me like a keyboard, NFL studio and just told me like write a song, I'd be like, I'm not, I can't. Give me like some samples and I would just give you like beats for days. Sick, yeah, So yeah. it's like, I feel like that's what I'm doing now where when a client's like, hey, I want a video, you got an idea? I'm like, not really, no. And then they'll <laughs> give me like the song and I'll tell them like what I feel. Yeah. But then I contrast it with like, but what's, what was, what were you thinking when you made it? Because it doesn't matter what I'm feeling. Yeah. And then we usually combine the two and then I just kind of like wait for them to say stuff where something clicks for me. Yeah, yeah. Now like there are several times where like nothing's clicking. Like I was on the phone with a client and we're trying to come up with a music video 
and I was like trying to keep his brand in mind, and I was like, dude, nothing's clicking. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just pretty much coming up with the past three videos we've done before, and I yeah. don't want to keep recycling the ideas. And then I was just like, I just kind of went in my bag of like old ideas that I haven't gotten to use, mm -hmm. and threw it at him, and he loved it. So I was like, this has nothing to do with the song. So, that, like, that's how I like deal with those creative blocks. Is like, if I can't figure out anything on their own, like I try to like take a seed from them and mm -hmm. see if like it'll just grow a little bit yeah and then from there we'll, we'll figure it out but a lot of the times i'm stretching like there's a shoot this weekend that i'm thinking about rescheduling because it's like what two days away we don't know if we have a location and we have like an idea Same. but absolutely no like plot or treatment and i'm just like i can probably show up and shoot something in a parking lot it's not going to be very good and i honestly don't want to take your money and do that yeah i would rather us like push it two weeks ahead and let me come up with something because it's like I don't I don't want to just do it because I can mm -hmm. you know yeah my buddy uh, one of my best friends and someone who does a lot of work with Unify he uh, he works for an NBA team and like their like media team and he he Is went it the one in town no no okay. it's in uh, it's OKC Thunder oh, okay um, it's like I don't, I don't know like how like like am I supposed to be like like, I'm like, I wonder if this will get him in trouble, but I doubt it will. Well, I can always, like, take out specifics. Nah, just leave it. Whatever. It's fine. If he gets fired, he'll come back to Charlotte, so that's good. Um, is he, he, he got asked by his boss to, like, do, like, basically, like, this, um, this other project, right? And, and they were basically like, yo, like, don't put a ton of effort into it. Like, make it not as good as mm -hmm. your other stuff, you know? Really? Yeah. He, he, they, they were basically like, yo, just, like, make it, e like, easier, like, less on you and, like, whatever. And so he and I were chatting about it because, like, you know, it still takes however much time for him to do. And it's like, no one wants to be told, like, yo, I want you for not your best work. Like, yeah. it's such a weird thing because you're still getting paid. Yeah. Like, you're still doing, you're still giving, like, I don't a, think I've ever know. run into that. I've, I've definitely run into people who will, well, the language that is used, like, in my scenario, or, like, when I've, when I've seen it happen with me is it's like, oh, like, we're not looking for, like, like, you yeah. know, we're not looking for blank or, like, we're not looking for it to be, like, the most amazing blah 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 which like is a weird way to approach like you know i mean for sales it's not that weird yeah. when you think about yourself as an artist it is strange because yeah. you know you're not going to approach you're not gonna be like babe i want to have date night or like i want to like date you but like i don't want it to be like this crazy cool relationship you know what i'm saying <laughs> you're like i don't want it to be like you know butterflies in my stomach and fireworks you're like i'm just trying to like you know kind of be like a little passive aggressive and like you know just like kick it and like you know just get cookout every two days which to be fair my girlfriend and i get a lot of cookout which is great but so no hate but you know I mean, it's, it's a strange uh, it's a strange thought process as an artist of like you know you want to do your best work yeah. um but you also don't want to waste your time you don't want to waste the other the client's time i've run into that too man when you're like you know someone's like it's rushed and like we don't have a lot of time and um i mean you'll never you'll never have everything you want for a project, but based on the parameters you're given, you can absolutely make something good. Yeah. But if you don't have a lot of time and, and you feel like you're just like throwing something together, yeah, you don't want to. When do I that. think I shot like eight times in the past two weeks, and I'm just like, one day is probably not enough to chill, kind of, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. I, uh, do you know Josh Hall? What? I don't think so. You see Josh on too. Josh is like a ray of light in is like he, the wait, darkness. <laughs> does he work at Caravan? He used to. He was a caravan for a while. He's freelance now. He does a lot of AC work. Well, like, did he, like, leave last year or something? When did Josh leave? I think he left in October or November. So he's Joshua Cameron on Instagram, right? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah he is. Yeah. I, was, I, yeah. I, met him, I met him once at the, the Friday morning. Dude, Josh is great. I'll link you guys too, man. He's he's fantastic. Really good Super Smash player. There's there, I've, I've got a lot of good things to say about Josh. Um, I don't remember why I was bringing up Josh, though. What were we talking about prior to this? Rushing. Time. Busy. I don't know. You should get Josh on. Josh is the best. I would love to. Yeah, Josh is a happy dude. Well, I'm, like, so I'm marketing this version or this... A second unit of the show as like agency type work. Mm -hmm. So like Matt Tyndall, do you know Matt Tyndall? He owns Price Mesk. He was on last week and he doesn't run an agency but essentially does everything that they do. Mm -hmm. um, and he like does a lot of proxy work where it's like clients go through an ad agency that Think ad they agency go to him. hires him. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. And you do a good bit of like agency freelance work. So like how did you get into that? How do you get into how working long? with agencies? Well, how did you do it? <clears throat> so I got into working with agencies by, um, once again, like relationships, because yeah. no one can take all the jobs. And so when the water's high, like everyone's eating, like mm -hmm. everyone's doing pretty good. Um, <clears throat> so I got into it by just talking with other people. And when they needed another hand, you hop on, you make a relationship with somebody else, and, and there you go. I think it's, um, you know, as long as you don't suck as a person, like you'll probably get hired again for like whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, that's not always the case, but if you're, if like, imagine you had to be on set with someone for 15 days straight, like, and you got to pick who it was. Like you're, you're probably like, and you have this like amazing shooter AC or whatever that just like, you know, you like grind, like, like you guys just don't jive together. Mm -hmm. You're probably not going to hire that person. Yeah, you have someone else who's like not as good as them, but like is still like up to par, and is just great. You're going to hire that person, <laughs> you know. So, I I think like, as long as you're enjoyable to be around on set, you'll you'll probably get hired again for smaller agency work. Because yeah. smaller agencies are generally handpicking who they want. Larger ones, they'll they'll generally just like you know, if they've got a producer who just like hires out based on a list, like you'll find that a lot on like, you know, 30 to 40 plus crew commercials. They're gonna be just blasting through names. Um, whereas like smaller agencies, uh, you'll you'll be working with maybe four to eight people on each one. And through that, like you just, you just make good relationships. I mean, excellence is expected, Yeah. obviously. Otherwise you wouldn't be able to survive. Um, in this in this game but, are you yeah. are you dping those or are you acing those uh, a lot of times i'll be second unit i'll dp occasionally yeah. but most of these agencies well a lot of the agencies have in-house dps um yeah, and I a lot of the in-house dps like a lot of the in-house dps are like, kind of overworked if you ever if you ever if there's ever an agency that's like we have an in-house dp it's like that in-house dp is also their editor is also their colorist is also doing a lot of this yeah, is yeah. also doing a lot of that yeah and it's also interesting dude because like I think a lot of times, like, well, from the outside looking in, you're like, oh, like, agency DP. And it's like, no, like, this dude is you in the same scenario, running into the same problems you are. Yeah. Not enough budget here, not enough time for whatever, wanting to do their best work, under the gun for whatever. It's, yeah. it's pretty ridiculous, man. And you don't have, like, the possibility of, like, the same, like, income range that you could if you were freelance. It's like, you're, yeah. you're probably capped out. Yeah, there, there's, dude, it's so weird, man. Like, because I, I know, like, enough about like agency like rates and salaries to where i'm just like dude like some people just i don't know I, I have this i have this theory and and i might be alienating 
I'm, I'm sure I'm insulting someone, so I'm sorry. But like, I feel like a ton of like good directors are getting saved by good DPs, and a ton of those good DPs are getting saved by good gaffers. And like, I think that is just like, thank you, dude. That's the circle, bro. Like, yeah. if you're like, like here's here's some A-list information. If you're a DP watching this, and you're like, I want to be a better DP. Like, spend your whole rate on the best gaffer you can find, and everyone's gonna think you're the best DP on the planet. Yep. I promise you. Well, and the thing <laughs> is, because I'm, I'm looking to like start partnerships with directors and start hiring more directors so that I don't have to do it anymore. And so I'm yeah. looking at everybody's stuff, and I'm like, what part of this did you do? Yeah. You know, it's because it's like, I know you kind of like orchestrated the whole thing, but I'm like, where's your fingerprint? You know? Yeah, absolutely. When, when I see the DP, it's like I could see his fingerprint, I could see the gaffer's fingerprint, I could see the mm -hmm. editor's fingerprint, the director's like, your your fingerprints are smudged everywhere. Like I it's can't tough. Tell. It's tough to find. Like, and there are. I mean, that's where I think it's like hard to be a good director. A lot of people can be directors. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like, I think a lot of people who get into film, at least I've noticed this. A lot of people who get into film are like, I want to be a director. Yeah. Like they they get into film and just treat editing and storyboarding and shooting as if it's like the stepping stones to get to getting to be a director mm -hmm. and a lot of these directors people who want to be directors suck at articulating what they want yeah and that's like the main thing the name of, it's too direct yeah you need to be able to speak different languages to different people i don't think you should be the best on set at everything you're doing yeah. but you need to be in the top 10 percent yeah. of every area because otherwise you can't articulate effectively like I remember I was on this one shoot, this is a big commercial, and the director was like, I was like, dude, have you ever done this before? Like, he didn't know the words to, he didn't know the vernacular for lighting, he didn't know, like, what to ask, he was just like, he was like, oh, it's in my head, but I can't, nah. and I'm like, dude, that means you suck as a director. Everybody's got a vision up here. That does not make you special. That does yeah. not make you good at what you do. Like, so I think when you work with a when you work with directors who like are not good at articulating and like aren't very patient and like get like really like frazzled easily yeah you can tell and, and you'll be like that's a bad director yeah it's almost like you got to work with them to really figure it out and absolutely so, so like now i'm just like all right well I'd, like it that's a difficult thing like i don't mm -hmm. want to give a project to someone who like i'm testing the waters on mm -hmm. yeah thing. well when you i think like the best directors i've worked with are are people who can keep their cool really well like people who are just like chill and are just like treating the project with like a massive amount of respect to where it's like not their project mm -hmm. like they are they are like it is a privilege for them to try to discover what the project is supposed to become yeah like any any director who's like this is my vision this is everything that i want and like i have i'm yeah. like dude number one like you and i don't drive as people like like i do not operate that way yeah. which which might just mean i'm not your dp number two is that you allowing there to be room for that discovery like makes everyone's life easier you know what i'm saying it's like if you don't know what you're talking about like don't lie you know but like dude like i remember like um i heard a story do you know justin robinson yeah so so j-rob's like a nutty director like if anyone's ever seen any of his films you're like dang this guy's like very talented very talented writer as well mm -hmm. um <clears throat> there was a shoot i don't remember which one it was but he he wanted to get like a like giggle out of one of the actresses mm -hmm. and like so he like literally like took like a feather and like tickled her foot under a table this might this might just be a legend i was not there but this is what i heard well, i've heard about the wet socks the wet socks yeah he, he wanted someone to be miserable so he made him wear wet socks all day that is the best thing because i dude i had a bet with a friend of mine once where i was like yo like a loser of this bet has to wear wet socks the whole day 
Like that was like that was the jam. What was that? It was the um, Nazi movie that he did. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Guest of Honor, dude. That was so good, bro. People who like, I also think like people who get into film like generally like want to do narrative stuff and like <clears throat> I have like. I've like always had like zero interest in like doing a narrative. Same. You too, dude. Yeah. You're, I think I think we're some of the few. Yeah. Um, well, I'm in that realm. I, I've had this narrative idea for like four years. It's five scenes, two people, you one location. And I was thinking, what if I just make it for marketing for the company? Like, what if I just hire like you know, find an investor like, because I know I could make it for like two. I could make it for free, or I could get like two grand and like at least like hire like actors and directors and take care of everything else and just put it into a festival just to put my company name on it. Yeah. And it would just create like a little buzz. Because every time I've told the idea to people, they always go, whoa. And I'm like, it's probably a good idea. Dude, there's a, I don't remember where the saying's from, but someone, I think it was an author, said something like, like notebooks are just a shortcut to like a, t a notebook full of bad ideas. Yeah. It was like the ideas that you should go with are the ones that won't go away. Yeah. The ones that keep coming back to you years later and years later yeah. and years later. It's just been stuck. So if you're like, if you're like, oh, I've had this for four years, I'm like, dude, just do it. Like I've had an idea that like I literally know isn't good. Yeah. But it's been in my head forever. And I'm like, I'm just going to make it to get done, to get it, yeah, just get to it get out. it over with. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like about, it's like. I don't know. I don't like being manipulated. You know, like I don't. I don't like when, like, a, like a movie is like just spent getting you to like love these characters, and they just like kill off a character in some tragic way. And I'm like, yeah, come on. Like, it just makes me so sad. That's like kind of a thought. Well, it's, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's funny that you brought up that whole like uh, director DP Gaffer thing, because I discovered something. I'm sure it's not a huge discovery to most people. For me, it was like yeah. enough where I signed up for medium.com so I could write an article about it because mm -hmm. I couldn't find any information on it. Have you ever heard of Bill O'Leary? Bill O'Leary is Roger Deakins' gaffer. Sick. If you look at Bill O'Leary's filmography, it's more extensive than Roger's. And like when you start to notice like, oh, that movie? Yeah, it looked like that. That movie, it looked like that. You're like, is Bill O'Leary why Roger is amazing? Like it's it's possible. It's a little bit possible. They started yeah. working together like early '90s, so it's like it's right around when Roger like started making hits. Most of the reason, I mean, at least for me, I'm I'm well aware. I'm like most of what I like is gaffing work and not actual cinematography or not like DPs. Yeah. Um, I mean, and and to be fair, like once you get into like the expertise of stuff, it's like the DP is like, yo, gaffer, like here's like what I want. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And then like the gaffer and them like kind of work together, and it's not very far like you know apart on like smaller agency things it's like like yeah like if you just get a good gaffer who like knows what's up mm -hmm. and and if you're if you're a director or if you're an experienced dp who can just be like yeah like i want it to i want it to just be like soft and directional and then sit here your your gaffer is just gonna be like okay and just do it you know what i'm saying and they're gonna they're gonna you know shoot through two different diffusions and like you know book light off the ceiling and like whatever it is like they're gonna hit you with something dope um, in a way that you could, you know, because you might not know. Do you know T.J. Morrison? By any chance? I, I know of him. Yeah, dude, I'll, I'll link you too. Uh, he's such a such a phenomenal dude and like a really cool. He's like he's a killer gaffer. Um, and he's, he's probably been mentioned on the show like more times than anybody else. Well, because he's he's like the gaffer. Yeah. He's like the dude here that is like building up his like repertoire like really quickly mm -hmm. and doing a great job. Super fun to work with. Everything's great about him. Like he's a Liverpool fan. 
It's, it's amazing. It's the best. Um, so he, dude. So we were on a shoot once, like Jake's an Arsenal fan, and uh, like uh, what he did, what uh, TJ did was he like played like Liverpool fight songs and would like put him on stands like really high up or like truss him up, like even trust like his phone up there. So like. Jake couldn't do anything but listen to Liverpool fight songs. It was like the best, like so funny. But yeah, dude, I think on like the agency side of things with with gaffers, it's you know, I mean, it is it is overly discrediting to DPs to say that like, oh yeah, a DP is just a gaffer. Yeah. that's not the case. But it makes your job way harder to be a good DP to be like, okay, how are you going to set yourself apart to where you can't just be replaced by a good gaffer? Mm -hmm. If a, if a gaffer has two hours of camera knowledge, what makes you different? And that's where DPs have to start thinking differently. That's where DPs have to start thinking like, okay, like how does, how does my actual choice of how I shoot what, what I use, when I use it, actually useful to what we are trying to do? Yeah. And it makes you start to get like really, really articulate with your thoughts and really, really picky with your thoughts. Um, which is very not like, that's a new thought process when it comes to this kind of age, I guess, is it's like, you know, in like the alpha camera world, you know, in like the YouTube world, it's like, what are the what are five tips to make your camera look cinematic? It's like, oh, okay, there you go, now you're a DP, and that's a lot of people's thoughts on it. Yeah, and like that is where all of us started, and that's like where all of us started to learn, like, okay, cool, we did it, and then you're like, wait, there's actually a massive world that I don't know of, and then you get out of that. And you're like, wait a minute, now there's this other massive world that I don't know of. And I think you have to kind of be dethroned a number of times yeah. until you're then like, I don't know anything. Yeah. And I'm going to continue to learn to hopefully know a little bit more. Yeah, that's day, a good way know? to put it. And I think like I'm, I'm kind of waiting for my, nether, my, my, my next dethroning, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, I, I, I feel like I'm... <clears throat> doing kind of the same techniques and stuff. It's free, you know, like this project's different than this project, so like I'll just vary it a little bit. Yeah. But like I think it's like, um, I, was, I was so focused on like cinematography and just like in-camera stuff for so long, and now like this past like 18 months has been gaffer stuff, and I think now it's starting to switch to like art direction, because it's like I keep like leveling up in one area, and then I'm just like, all right, now what? And so I just kind of like shift you know, like five degrees this way, and it's like, all right, well, if we change, if we like spend more time on art direction, it makes everything look prettier, and it doesn't even matter what light or camera lens yeah, you use. Yeah, yeah, you know? dude. If you like, if you're addicted to progress, like me, like just progression, mm -hmm. like I have to be getting better at something, otherwise I find like no worth. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's really like really bored. Yeah, you get super and bored I do not and like being bored. Absolutely, dude. Like if you're if you're addicted to progression in that way, like it's it's it's, it's an odd. It's an odd bridge to to kind of traverse, and that like you, you know you can't do that forever, like like you know that like once you're new at something, you're you you can excel at it really quickly, really fast, and you see that progression. But then once you get to like the intermediate stage, it takes a long time to get out of the intermediate stage. And then when you're advanced, you're like able to answer a lot of questions. But I think is when you start to value like flavor differently, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it's kind of like you know, like when Anthony Bourdain was talking about how like he's like, oh, like people ask me like, what do chefs want to eat? And he's like, chefs want to eat food that like isn't just involved with a lot of like crap in it. He's like, he's like, if you want a Philly cheesesteak, eat a Philly cheesesteak. That's like that's the kind of stuff chefs just want to do. You know, yeah. he's like, they just want to eat what's appropriate for what they're feeling and where they're at. And I'm like, I think a lot of DPs want to do that. They want to shoot something that's like appropriate for the 
for the project. Yeah. You know, and at least like in, in with Unify, like when we when we talk to clients, like I am always trying to figure out, like you use the word like fingerprint, like I use the word thumb, like same thing. I'm just like I want to find out what we want to do like for them like like we're doing um we're handling we like just opened up like a social media management and like um content creation side of unify okay and our and our first clients are stable hand and hex coffee nice and so we're like okay we were you telling me about them maybe no it was the the espresso company guy he was telling me about stable hand sick yeah so that's dude, awesome their their coffee is ridiculous um but so we're like, okay, your, your thumbprint's here. Like, like what do we want to do here? And the thumbprint of like Hex, like as a roastery versus like stable hand as a cafe are like mm. completely different. One's like really, really jovial and like really like bright and like really personable and approachable. Mm -hmm. And the other one's just like pretty badass and that it's like, yo, this is like a really top tier A-list like coffee company, you know, that's making like seriously the best coffee on the East Coast, like, and you're, how, how are we going to adequately market this? Because you can't just get moody tones and post it across the board and make it okay, yeah. you know? Like, because that's not going to work for a bright, colorful area. Like, it's not going to work for, you know, everything. So, so you got to learn how to find the best identity for whatever you're working on. Yeah. Which, you know, I'll, I, will, I will use the word discovery. I'll just, like, beat that to hell and back. It's like, you know, you want to... You wanna, Treat it like a person. Well, treat it like an identity. Luckily, they they do have really solid branding, so it's easy to like so build good. off of. Absolutely, know? it's so good. Like it won't be hard for us to like make anything from scratch with them. Mm -hmm. um, but it like when you have new, when you have like new clients coming in and like new people, and a lot of times it's like new ideas. Mm -hmm. You're like, this is what we want to do, and we want to like kind of help understand the brand a little more. Like we're working with uh, Charlotte Esports, and Charlotte Esports has uh, their their team is called Charlotte Phoenix. And we had like a brand identity meeting um, with with the owners, and we were like, you know, like, what are the characteristics that you want people to think of yeah. when they think of Charlotte Phoenix? <clears throat> and they're like, well, that's like a really big question because this is something they really, really care about. And you're like, yo, if you only have like three to five bullet points people can think about when they think about you, or think about like the animist, or think about you know Charlotte Phoenix, it's like you're gonna you're gonna think about that, you know? And so they were like. They were like family, and I'm like everybody says family. Like Google says family. Yeah. Like what? Like, like why does it matter? Like to you, why does family matter? And they're like, well, just like phoenixes, like when phoenixes like die and burst into flames, like they come back, and like like when our teams like fail, and like you know when we like fall, like it's all about coming back. It's all about sticking together when it's like hard. And I was like, so family, but only when sacrifice is involved, because otherwise it's just Google. And they're like, yes sacrifice family and sacrifice i'm like those are huge bullet points because if someone signs on with your team and they know that's like part of your thumbprint yeah that it's not just like oh okay like once we do bad we're gonna get kicked off yeah like you know there's a ton of esports teams where that's just the case like they, they'll sign teams like for three-month contracts just under the impression they know they're gonna sign someone better later yeah um they're like no we're gonna work through it i'm like dude those are those are huge branding things and like you know just ask questions, bro. Like, like some people just want to put like, you know, I don't know, super mist filters and haze everything and shoot anamorphic and call it a day no matter what they're shooting. But it's like, dude, it, not everything calls for that. Like, don't be lazy. Like, you're being lazy. Yeah. Stop. I can really appreciate <laughs> you saying that too. Yeah. Like, it's it's not for you most of the time. The work's not for you. Yeah. And sometimes you get it. Sometimes you're allowed to like 
have a little bit of your flair yeah. in there, which is great. Like, it's awesome. And I mean, like, no hate to like super artistic stuff. The reason I bring those things up is because I love those things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want I want lenses that just mess up the image, and I want like you know, X, Y, and Z. But like, sometimes you just need to. Sometimes you're shooting a you know commercial campaign for a talking head Republican senator that you have like not a single thing in common with on a green screen, and you're right. like, all right, I'm shooting Sigma. <laughs> You're like, I need to be sharp and fall off and not be interesting, and that's it. You know, you're like, that's the jam. So, yeah, dude. And I think like, especially if like, <clears throat> I'm thinking about like how I'm I'm like so for people who want to work in freelance and like want to like work in whatever they want to work in to like be able to, um, like if you want to get in with agencies, like do your best to get in with people who are already working at those agencies. Mm -hmm. Hit up producers, like like just utilitarian hit up producers like your director isn't really making the decisions as much as yep. a lot of times you think because the director doesn't care that much yep. or they care but they hire good producers because they trust good producers get in with producers make good relationships your excellence is expected and the sooner you decide to set your bar and like plateau and where something good enough someone else is not going to yeah. someone else is going to be working harder than you so it's like, if you're not good, be likable. If you're not likable, be good and see what happens. Yeah. Hopefully you can be both. Um, maybe you're more likable than you are good. Maybe you're better than you are likable. It's like, just figure it out. Um, and as far as like running agency stuff and like, and like working on things, I think there's a, something I've been learning, um, and we talked about this a little bit, is just like learning how to outsource and like learning how to trust other people. Yeah. It's a big thing for me. Like this Thailand film was the first time I had to just completely trust someone else. Like I just like handed off scenes to an editor. Cause I was like, dude, look, like I, I can't get this done on my own. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I can't, you know, whatever. So I had, I had two assistant editors on and I was like, here you go. Just take it. Like, and, and once it's done, like we pretty much have to export it and send it for review. Yeah. So I like didn't do much. And Scary. dude, you know what happened? It was so good. Like, you, you, like crazy idea, right? Hire people you trust that you know want to do a good job. Mm -hmm. And then they do a good job. <laughs> it's wild. And then I was like, I was like, I've had five years of just sweating trying to do everything myself. Yeah. Where it's like, and dude, like, especially if you're friends, like you don't want to undervalue your friends. But it's like sometimes I'll hit up buddies and I'll be like, yo, I've got, you know, I've got like pennies on the dollar for this job. Are you interested or not? If you say like like I expect you to say no because you shouldn't. Sometimes the homie is just like, sure, like if you need me, I'm in. And I do the same. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like I've got like, and the same with gear. You know, like the same thing with like what I was telling you about Bradford. Like, I bought like a nice hazer, you know, and I was like, cool, this hazer is gonna be able to go out to everybody for like just the price of the liquid. You know what I'm saying? Just because now everybody can use it. Mm -hmm. Boom, sick. Like helping out the people. I'm doing a good thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, cool. I'm at least trying to help out. Um, because then when the money comes in and like there are budgets, people are like, yo, like I'm here to I'm here to feed you. You've here got to help. those relationships, yeah. Yeah, and that's the that's the goal, dude. And I also think people need to think about longevity and what we've already talked about is like, you know, fire clients. If your clients are like leeching your resources, your time and your energy, mm -hmm. it's like you matter more than your money does. Like, yeah. dude, there's so much work out there, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like there really is. And it's like if worst comes to worst, like shoot weddings. <laughs> and even then, like, weddings can be amazing, oh, you yeah. know? Like, Dude, I honestly don't think you could have, like, ended this any better. 